with Rosh Hashanah fast approaching, everybody has to make sure uh, that they run out and get their special foods. Now, for Ashkenazim, that's not so hard. Apples are plentiful in this country. Honey is available. The bees are having a tough time, but the honey is available. Uh, but for our Sephardic brothers, uh, it's not so easy. Yeah, they have, uh, some have a custom to have Rosh Kevis, right? Yeah. To have the head of a lamb, right? To have the head of a lamb, right? Uh, and there's only one head per lamb. So it's, uh, it, is a, it is not an easy thing. And, uh, you know, Ashkenazim, they cheat. They use the head of a fish. Fish, fish, you can get heads all over the place. There's plenty of heads of fish. A lamb is a kunst to come across. And then everybody this year, I get calls about this every year on tongues. Fardim. Ashkenazim also eat tongue, not so much anymore. People don't like it. When I came to California 20 years ago, 25 years ago, right, the Robertson used to serve tongue. People liked it. About 10, I, I don't personally like it, but about 15 years ago she stopped because she brought it to the table, all the guests, and nobody ate it. It's, uh, for the Ashkenazim, I think it's over. But uh, for the Svaidim, right, the, everybody wants to know how could there be so many kosher tongues? Because the number one, so it happens to have been, yes, that's true, it happens to have been that, yeah, we see it, uh, the mar- there's more available, but that was the number one investigation that I was involved in for many years was ensuring that the tongues were not falsified. Because the number one meat available with false hashgacha is tongue. Just so you should know. Just, we, we deal with it every year. We never have it in our places. We, we stop it, but we know you have to have people in the mafia to know what's going on, right? So we always get told, uh, we're tipped off what's there available and who's going around and selling what. So the, uh, the number one thing that would be is the tongues. But the, the question is, so you have to be careful. Obviously, you can only buy meat from a properly endorsed place, you know, that has proper hashgacha. Uh, and as uh, the hashgacha is able to carry the weight of what it means. But that, that's not our topic today. What is this whole idea of having the symbolic foods? It's, it's very troubling. What is the whole idea of having these symbolic foods? You dip the apple in honey and all of a sudden, presto, you're going to have a sweet year. And the problem is, the problem is that it would seem to me that not only is it a pro, not only does it seem a little bit silly, uh, but actually it should be prohibited. Not only prohibited, it should be biblically prohibited, because we have a mitzvah tamim imashem a positive commandment that you need to walk with God straightforward we're not into kunsin you can't we know and it's about it's also a prohibition we know that if a black cat crosses your path you're not allowed to change from what you were doing don't trip on it but you're not allowed to change from what you were doing there's a biblical prohibition from being a superstitious person so how does this uh, how do these two things come together how do you say dip the apple in honey for a sweet year if we're not a superstitious people? And not only are we not a superstitious people, it's biblically prohibited to, to act in the superstitious fashion. So this is a problem. So there are, the way that you are to understand it and to share it with the guests and family is that the main thing of the siman 
is not to eat it. As much as I like to take the fish around, especially to my daughters, and offer them the eyeball, is we, we have a tradition, if you eat the eyeball, you have good vision. Right? Right, you offer the eyeball. But the truth is that there is no mitzvah to eat any of these symbolic foods. Not even to eat it. The mitzvah, the, the, not the mitzvah, the minhag, is to have it there. Right? Because it's not a superstition. It's not that he's not going to eat it and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get a sweet year. The idea is that you should awaken yourself in two ways. One is, you know, my friends, there's something serious happening. The enemies could overtake us in the coming year. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We eat the karsi, we eat the leeks. Our enemy should be cut off. It awakens us to realize everything's hanging in the balance. It's an action, an activity to realize that when you're sitting at that Rosh Hashanah meal, right, you had better realize you have 48 hours or 10 days to gain reprieve. Otherwise, you're going to end up, God, we, we may, God forbid, end up with another year like the past. We have 48 hours to change it. And the second is the tefillah. The prayer, according to the Mishnah Berurah, you say God's name. It's a tefillah. Right? Hashem Elokeinu, but okay, it should be the will before Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers. That you should renew for us a sweet year, a good year. The tefillah, it's an opportunity. It, 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 it takes us to, to, to David. Right, so it's two aspects. One is l'orer, to awaken, and one is l'itpalel, to pray. So again, you're right, there's nothing to the symbolic foods. Inherently, in the sense of saying it's all of a sudden, you're going to eat that and everything's going to go well. But everything is in the symbolic foods. Is that, that by taking the step, realizing is, is that Kaddish Baruch who gave us the sweet honey, he could give us the sweet cheer. He, it's all there for us. It's all there for us. But we have to take it. We have to awaken ourselves, seize the opportunity, pray hard, recognize the value of Rosh Hashanah, Bezrat Hashem. It'll indeed be a Shana Tova Umesuka.